as we begin the day after the 4th of July. Watch this video from the HBO series entitled Newsroom. Can you say why America is the greatest country in the world? Diversity and opportunity. Lewis? Uh, freedom and freedom. So let's keep it that way. Well, why is America not the greatest, the greatest country in the world? Professor, that's my answer. You're saying yes. Let's talk about fine. Let's, Sharon, you know why people don't like liberals? Because they lose. Hey. And with a straight face, you're going to tell students that America is so star-spangled awesome that we're the only ones in the world who have freedom? Canada has freedom. Japan has freedom. The UK, France, Italy, Germany, Spain, Australia, Belgium has freedom. So 207 sovereign states in the world, like 180 of them have freedom. All right. And yeah, you, uh, sorority girl, just in case you accidentally wander into a voting booth one day, there's some things you should know. And one of them is there is absolutely no evidence to support the statement that we're the greatest country in the world. We're seventh in literacy, 27th in math, 22nd in science, 49th in life expectancy, 178th in infant mortality, third in median household income, number four in labor force, and number four in exports. We lead the world in only three categories. Number of incarcerated citizens per capita, number of adults who believe angels are real, and defense spending, where we spend more than the next 26 countries combined, 25 of whom are allies. Now, none of this is the fault of a 20-year-old college student. When you ask what makes us the greatest country in the world, I don't know what you're talking about. Sure used to be. We stood up for what was right. We fought for moral reasons. We passed laws, struck down laws for moral reasons. We waged wars on poverty, not poor people. We sacrificed. We cared about our neighbors. We put our money where our mouths were, and we never beat our chest. We built great big things, made ungodly technological advances, explored the universe, cured diseases, and we cultivated the world's greatest artists and the world's greatest economy. We reached for the stars, acted like men. We aspired to intelligence. We didn't belittle it. It didn't make us feel inferior. We didn't identify ourselves by who we voted for in the last election, and we didn't, we didn't scare so easy. We were able to be all these things and do all these things because we were informed by great men, men who were revered. First step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. America is not the greatest country in the world anymore. Lots of good reasons why perhaps America may not be the greatest country in the world anymore, but also lots of reasons perhaps why America once was the greatest country in the world. But I personally have a different reason why I believe that America has been the greatest country in the world. It's in the Declaration of Independence. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there are three direct references to God in it, and they refer to character qualities of God. They're capitalized, kind of like things are capitalized in the Bible. And these are creator, supreme judge of the world, and divine providence. And these references in the Declaration of Independence, they probably appear there because about half of the signers of the Declaration of Independence either had some seminary education or some higher theological training. It's also been said if you examine the Constitution of the United States of America, about a third of it has the Bible as its source material. 
And then two, there's the Pledge of Allegiance. And it includes this, one nation under God. And there's even an entrance to the U.S. Supreme Court building in Washington, D.C. It says, Justice the Guardian of Liberty. And who is centered right above it? If you look at the figure right in the center there, it's Moses with the Ten Commandments. And you probably didn't realize this either, that the words, In God We Trust, they are the official motto of the United States. And it was affirmed in 2006 by the Senate and in 2011 by the House of Representatives. And in God We Trust, it appears on every modern piece of currency of the United States. And that, my friends, is why I believe that America once was the greatest country in the world because of its rather official focus on God and its official mention of God in lots and lots of places. But the systematic loss of that, accelerated in recent decades and years, is also the reason why some believe that America is no longer the greatest country in the world based on its deviations from those beliefs and that focus and that mention of God. But I also believe with God's help, America can be all of that again. Because God could be influential still in the very fabric of government. God could be influential still in the heart and the consciousness of every American. But somehow we find ourselves so far from that and we find ourselves more divided than we ever have before. For instance, if you disagree with someone on something important to them, you could now rather suddenly find yourself typecast as their enemy. In fact, I saw a recent article entitled this, 28 Reasons I'm Done Talking to My Conservative Friends and Family. And four of the first five reasons had to do with God. Yikes. If we go back to the Constitution, freedom of religion was the framers' intent. Clearly, freedom of religion was a way that they thought would bring us together and unite us rather than separating us and dividing us. So this morning, we're going to talk a little bit more about freedom, particularly three phases of freedom from God's perspective. The first is being free from. Secondly, our being free to become. And thirdly, our being stuck in freedom, spelled F-R-E-E-D-U-M-B. More about that in a minute. But first, our being free from is what the framers of the Declaration of Independence Constitution were coming from, being free from political and religious tyranny. And secondly, our being free to become is God's plan for each of us. And thirdly, our being vested in the fruits of freedom, spelled F-R-E-E-D-U-M-B. That's a slippery slope. That's why Jesus said in John 8, 32 in the NIV, the truth will set you free. And freedom spelled F-R-E-E-D-O-M in one sense means being unrestrained. Whereas freedom spelled F-R-E-E-D-U-M-B is just the opposite. For that freedom means you're being restrained by your being unrestrained. Now, I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but let me illustrate. Any of us are free to go to the store every day and to buy a 12-pack of beer, buy a fifth of liquor, buy a pornographic magazine. And you're perfectly free to go home and to drink much of that 12-pack or drink much of that fifth. You're free to look at that pornographic magazine or to log on to a pornographic website. But you're not really free when you're involved in any of those things. For if you consume a lot of that 12-pack or that fifth of liquor, 
your reality is going to be altered for a time. You won't be able to think completely straight. You won't be able to relate to others as clearly. And you may or may not feel as good in the morning, at least as good as you could be if you didn't consume much of it. So thus, the real you, the natural you, is restrained and not really free. Same thing with a pornographic magazine or website. You may spend some time viewing it, and then when you're away from it, you may spend even more time thinking about viewing it again when you get home. And also, if you're out in your day and you see someone that's kind of attractive of the opposite sex, your mind is free to think about them in a rather pornographic way. In fact, you may start thinking about other people of the opposite sex throughout your day sometimes in a pornographic way. Thus, the real you, the natural you, as God created you, is restrained and not free. And also, you may not be free to avoid another 12-pack or a fifth of liquor or another pornographic magazine or website tomorrow or the day after. So, thus your freedom, spelled F-R-E-E-D-O-M, can quickly, without your being completely aware of it or realizing it, can turn into freedom, F-R-E-E-D-U-M-B. And again, that's why Jesus said that the truth will set you free. And I know talking about our being free to indulge in those kind of things like we've just been talking about, it's a little rough. We don't usually talk that way here. But this freedom, spelled D-U-M-B, at the end means that you're actually restrained by your being unrestrained. And it does apply to nearly everything in life, including some seemingly mundane things. For instance, it can apply to those of us who have a fondness for shoes or clothes. And if you do, you may be frequently thinking about them. And if you do, you may always be spending your money on them. And if you do, you may always be planning to buy more of them. And as I say that, I know I'm meddling now. And thankfully, we don't have hymnals or some of you be throwing them at me right now. This is an equally offensive sermon, okay? But freedom, D-U-M-B, you're being restrained by your lack of restraint can also apply to those who have a fondness for video games or for collectibles of all kinds. And even I must confess, who have a fondness for watching football games on television, okay? If you're into video games, what do you do? You spend lots of times thinking about video games. You spend lots of times playing video games. You spend lots of time acquiring add-ons for video games. You spend lots of time planning what game are you going to buy next. And thus you spend lots of money on video games and add-ons. Same thing with people like collectibles, whether it's China figurines or it's comic books or it's whatever. Same thing with people like me. I tell you, I love football on TV so much that during the season I don't want to do anything else if it causes me to miss a game that I really want to see. So thus our fondness for things like shoes and clothes and video games and collectibles and yes, even football, they can certainly restrain our time, our budgets, our minds, even our relationships as in, yes, I'd like to spend time with you now, but I have to go shopping for some new shoes or new clothes or yes, I'd like to spend time with you now, but I have a new video game that I have to play or yes, I'd like to spend time with you now, but there's a football game on I just have to watch. So thus, freedom, D-U-M-B, does have consequences. Not unlike this guy you're going to see, who was free to park anywhere 
he wanted any spot. He chose to park in a handicapped spot. And he uh, actually wasn't handicapped at all. And this is what happened. Watch this. You see, he parked in a handicapped spot. And they put post-it notes all over the car to where you can't see the car at all. Not the windows, the windshield. You can't even see the tires. And notice, too, they put like a handicap symbol on the side and the back. So he cleans off the windshield. Gets back in to take off. And then he realizes that he really can't see out the back of the side very well. So he, he cleans it off the window. And then after that, even though he can't see very well, he starts to take off and nearly gets hit by another car. And then, of course, he rides off in complete embarrassment. You see, free, dumb, D-U-M-B, actually restricts us. And that kind of free, dumb can have serious consequences. Take, for instance, Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix. They were free to take drugs. And then there's James Dean. He was free to drive fast. There's even Sonny Bono, who was a U.S. House of Representative member. He was free to ski off the regular slopes and into the more dangerous and challenging woods and all died as a result. Living in free, dumb, D-U-M-B, is like living with weights attached to you. All the while you're trying to swim or float or tread water in life. And those weights take you down and will eventually cause you to drown in some way. And God points us to this in Galatians 5.13 in the message where he says, It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. You see, your freedom to do whatever you want to do can lead you into things that will actually destroy your freedom, weighing you down and in some ways causing you to drown. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6, 12 and 13 in the message makes this even clearer, saying, just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get away with, I'd be a slave to my whims. And that's why, in the midst of all this talk about being free during this weekend, do something really important. Perform a spiritual check on yourself just to make sure that your freedom hasn't fallen down that slippery slope of freedom, D-U-M-B. It's so easy to do. That's not the life, however, that God has created you to live, to be held captive by your whims and unhealthy habits, to be held captive by emotional distresses or fears or discouragement or exhaustion. Because as Galatians 5.13 in the message tells us, it is absolutely clear that God has called you to live a free life. Did you hear that? God has called you to live a free life. So how do we live a free life? Well, the library's full of self-help books and all sorts of ideas they think that can help you. And you are absolutely free to check out a bunch of them and read them to see if it works. But honestly, there's only one true, real answer to that question. How do I live a free life? To live a free life, you cling to Christ to help you do that. And John 8.36 in the NIV tells us this. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So how does our Lord Jesus do that? 
Well, 1 Corinthians 3.17 in the NIV says, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In other words, where you are not free, where you are being restrained by something, where there is a weight clinging to you, pulling you down, causing you to drown in some way, let me say that Christ isn't present in that. And that's perfectly illustrated with the Apostle Peter when looking at Jesus. He stepped out of a boat and walked on water. The weight of his physical body didn't cause him to sink when standing on top of the water. But just as he took his eyes off Jesus, what happened? He went down. And his physical weight took him down to where he could have drowned. And it's the same for us when we're immersed in any kind of free dumb, D-M-U-B. Being immersed in our whims, our unhealthy habits, our emotional distresses, our fears, discouragement, exhaustion. But just as Peter was going down, look what he did. He cried out to Jesus. Jesus took him by the hand and relieved him from his weight and lifted him above the waters to freedom and to life. And thus, you and I, we cannot stay afloat. We cannot be free, truly free in life on our own, weighted down by our whims and by our unhealthy habits, our emotional distresses, fears, discouragement, exhausted. We are perfectly free to cling to those things, but from that kind of free, dumb DMUB, which causes us to cling to them, Jesus can guide us to be free from them. Again, as 1 Corinthians 3.17 says, the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I have to tell you, I just love that verse. But I love how, too, the message version of this breaks it down. And when God is personally present as a living spirit, that old constraining legislation is recognized as obsolete, and we are free of it. And please note, when God is personally present, and that doesn't mean when God is metaphorically present with you, or God is sort of symbolically present with you, or when God is sort of present with you. No, this is when God is personally present with you. And you are personally present with the creator of the universe. It's then that God shows you that your old constricting ways, your old limiting ways, in which you think, in which you reason, in which you go about your days, under which you are weighed down that cause you to feel like you're going to drown on some days, these ways aren't worth it at all anymore. And thus God says, we're going to send them away. They're obsolete. And then the Son sets you free, and you are free indeed. And the weight of stress, disappointment, discouragement, the weight of dread and worry and sadness, the weight of loneliness, low self-esteem, low self-worth, they're lifted, and you don't have to drown under their weight anymore. And that level of freedom is what is called being free from And that happens when God is personally present with you. As you become more and more free from the weight of all those things, you are free to become. Become what? Become who it is that God created you to be. Let me illustrate. Let's say that you buy a tree like this one on the screen. You take it home and you set it and the container it's in on your front lawn, just as you see it there on the screen. And that tree can live there on your front lawn in that container for years. It's going to grow a little bit. It'll provide you with some shade. And it may be a perch for a bird or two, but that's going to be its life. And that tree can never get close to its potential. 
with its roots all bound up in a pot that it's in, sitting on top of your yard. And having that tree live that way in your front yard is sort of dumb. For that tree is not free to become all that God created it to be. It's a lot like you and me, friends. Freedom, D-U-M-B, keeps the roots of our lives bound up and weighted down by all the whims we follow and all the whims we plant our lives in. And when we reach out to Christ, as Peter did, on the water and all the weight that's binding us and holding us back, we get free from that. And just like if the roots of that tree became free from the containers, then it and us could be free to become all God created us to be. You know, I once planted a tree. It was a little bit bigger than the one on the screen previously in my front yard. If you've ever been by my front yard, now Charlie's front yard, that tree is fully 40 to 50 feet tall and 30 feet wide. And it has become and will continue to become all God created it to be. It's the same with you and it's the same with me. When we move from the constraints of freedom, D-U-M-B, via God's personal presence with us, we start being free from all those things that weigh us down, and we then are free to become. Free to extend ourselves like the branches of a tree. Free for our roots to grow down deeply into God. In fact, Colossians 2, 6 and 7, and verse 11 in the New Living Translation, tells us just that. And now, just as you trusted Christ to save you, Trust Him, too, for each day's problems. Live in vital union with Him. Let your roots grow down into Him and draw up nourishment from Him. See that you go on growing in the Lord and become strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. Don't let others soil your faith and joy with their philosophies, their wrong and shallow answers built on men's thoughts and ideas instead of on what Christ has said. When you came to Christ, he set you free from your evil desires, not by a bodily operation of circumcision, but by a spiritual operation, the baptism of your souls. And you see, that's what freedom is really all about, freedom for your soul. And when you are free at the soul level, you are free indeed. You're free from the weight of all your freedoms, D-M-U-B-S. You're free to become all that God created you to be, which is truly free. It's true for each of us personally. It's true for us in America. Take an inventory. Take a personal inventory of where your personal freedom lies. Are you stuck in some freedoms, D-M-U-B-S? Needing transitioning to be free from so that you can be free to become. Take an honest personal inventory with your personally present God and he will set you free. I believe this is also true for America. If you will, join me in your prayers daily for that. That the heart of America and the heart of Americans will turn more fully to God. Psalm 27 and 8 in the Living Bible tells us that some nations boast of armies and weaponry. But our boast is in the Lord our God. Those nations will collapse and perish we will arise to stand firm and sure. Indeed, pray with me that America and Americans will depend less and less on human logic and the things of this world and more and more on the things and the ways of God. With that said, let me close with this. 
I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her harbors and her ample rivers. But it was not there. I sought for her greatness in the fertile fields and the boundless forests. But it was not there. I sought for greatness in her rich mines and vast world commerce. But it was not there. I sought for greatness in her brilliant democracy and her matchless constitution. But it was not there. It wasn't until I spoke with the people in her streets, witnessed the freedom with which they lived their lives, the freedom to worship, speak their minds, and still find common ground. I then began to understand the secret of America's genius and power. Today, let us remember that we are America. We unite as men and women blessed by the providence of God to be found in this great country. We pray for God's goodness to rest upon this great nation. God bless America. Pray with me. God, we thank you so much for the blessings that we have of freedom as a country. The blessings that we have in Jesus Christ ultimately far exceed any that we can feel here and now. We can, Father, be free from those things that hold us back, those things that weigh us down, things that feel like they want to make us drown. So, Father, we ask for your presence, your very personal presence. We've said, Father, not a metaphorical, symbolic, or sort of presence, but your personal presence with us and our personal presence with you as the creator of the universe. And that you, Father, would show us, as the scriptures have shown us this morning, how some of our ways, some of our thinking and reasoning, some of the ways that we spend our days, those things are obsolete. Those are the things that drag us down. And so, Father, be with us and show us today. Let us really spend some time with you tomorrow. And show us, Father, how we can move to be free from those things, Father, in order that we might be free to become all that you've created us to be. And ultimately, that's to be truly free. Jesus' name we pray. Amen.